It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Ah, what a night at FedEx Forum. Grizz do a reversal on the Golden State Warriors. That was kind of cool. We'll get into that in a second. And the Tigers make the top 10. New poll is out. Pretty good. Interesting. Um, New poll, top 10. Three Big 12, two SEC, two ACC, one Big East, one Big 10, one AAC. Top five, all from a different conference. Which, you know, I I think it speaks to the parody. 13 ranked teams lost to unranked teams last week. Part of that's conference play. But I don't know if I've seen that before. Six or five top six teams were amongst those that fell to unranked teams. Have we seen anything like this before? You know who will have the answer? The Hall of Famer, Mike DeCourcy. He's going to join us in roughly five minutes. Last night in the NFL. Man. What's happened to Philadelphia? I, I, I'm, I'm impressed with Baker Mayfield. And we're going to talk with Jeff Moore about that at the bottom of the hour. I'm certainly impressed with Baker Mayfield. Uh, I I was impressed with C.J. Stroud. I was impressed with Jordan Love. The two guys that originally were at Alabama, Tua and Hurts, don't look like they did early in the season, do they? And I don't understand what has happened to Philly. How could you be 10-1 and one and then lose, what is it, six year last seven? That's like incredible. And, and it was interesting to me how Troy Aikman was saying, as he watched early in that game, he goes, this team doesn't believe they can win. I mean, they're, they're just, they, they don't, they're not any good. And they know it. They feel that way about themselves. It was wild. So we'll talk about that. All right. So when you think, Zach Boyd of Golden State, what do you, what do you think about most? Steph Curry and what do they do? Shoot threes. Bingo. You know how many shoot uh, threes they shot last night? It's like 25. They shot, I think it was 31, but they only made 10. Yeah. The Grizzlies, usually incredible points in the paint, right? Not so reliant when you have Steven Adams and Brandon Clark and those guys who aren't there anymore. Um, The Grizzlies don't shoot that many threes. They shot 54 threes last night. Zach Boyd, they made 20. They made double the amount that Golden State made in a 116-107 game. Here's the other part of the reversal. Points in the paint. Memphis only 20. Golden State 62. And the Grizzlies won the game. You know why? You know why the free throws. Bingo. The Grizzlies shot 40 free throws. You know how many Golden State shot? 10. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was going to be less than single 30 digits. 30 more free throw attempts, and they made 32 of them. Seven guys in double figures for the Grizzlies, that's pretty impressive. And honestly, 
as noted by Taylor Jenkins when he goes, great win for the Grizzlies, actually great win for the hustle. Because this was the hustle team. Minus Jackson and Kennard, this was the hustle team. And the stars were G.G. Jackson. A week and a half ago, G.G. who? Now, we knew about him from the beginning. The Grizzlies picked him up after thought, um, here's a young kid. What is he, 19? Is he 19 yet? He's 19. He's just 19? Yes. Uh, he just turned 19. Uh, and So he went to South Carolina for, what, a year? Yes. Did he go for a year? But something happened there. Like, he didn't play a lot, right? I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I think he got injured or something occurred. I don't think he played a full game. If you can really quick, and you're good at this, look up um, – his bio uh, and what what he did, how many games he played in the one year, and I may I may be wrong about this. You might have played a full year, but something tells me he didn't, and that's sort of why, like um, nobody was talking about him in the draft. So did you hear him last night on? So I I I, I decided I love Pete. You know that, and Pete Pranik is going to be with us Thursday. I wanted to hear what I and Eagle and the guys were were saying about this Grizzlies team, and of course they were fawning all over him. But the best part was inside the NBA when Ernie and Shaq and Charles, and they had Candace Parker in there for Kenny Smith, when they interviewed Gigi after the game. When Gigi hears Shaquille O'Neal, like, he can't believe it. He couldn't help himself. Biggest smile. And he was talking to Ernie Johnson about what an honor it is. And Ernie Johnson, who I have a great deal of respect for, Ernie Johnson says, that's the most fun interview we've done. I mean, this kid comes out of nowhere. He's very articulate, very uh, honest in his appraisal of himself and his team and what, what's happened to him in his life in the last weekend. It, it, it was great stuff. Give me the, give me the stuff on G.G. Jackson. So uh, he played 32 games. Oh, so he played uh, almost started a year. Yeah, 29 he played a year. at South Carolina, okay. averaging 15 points, uh, which was ninth in the SEC, uh, six boards. Uh, his scoring average was fifth most in the nation by a freshman. Huh. But there's something... I don't know what it was that scared the 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 scouts about him, and I can't remember what it was. I thought it was maybe an injury or something. But he played a full year, thirty-two games. Uh, anyway, he's delightful. No, it was uh, that that I think his pre-draft work, uh, his pre-draft. Uh, this, his thing At Portsmouth? was because of character issues or something. Like yeah, that. there was something character was. Yeah, yeah. Well, you would not know that from the Instagram way he or some. He said something about the coach because is of that what it was? Time or whatever. Okay, because he he was incredible. Yes, with with the inside the NBA crew last night. I mean, he won me over big time. And then Vince Williams. So you got two guys that are really playing with the hustle. And Gilliard played well too. But you had you had two guys. Honestly, we're supposed to be with the hustle the whole year. I mean, let, let's face it. If Ja, Bain, Smart, and Rose, that's four guys. If those four guys don't get hurt, G.G. Jackson is playing in front of 500 at the Lander Center, right? I mean, that's the truth. He's playing at the Lander Center. He's not ever touching this court. Those four injuries open up the door, and now the way he plays, well, he said 
that the shooting coach for the hustle is really the guy that that helped him a lot. Said he's never shot like this before. So um, he's developed, and that's that's part of coaching. And I, I got to give Taylor Jenkins a lot of credit to 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 win like he has to show the team concept the way they have to get Vince Williams and to get Gigi Jackson this far this fast. That's that's developing. That's coaching, and you've 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 got to think about that as you evaluate what the Jenkins staff has done. I, I, I was really, really impressed. Let's get a hold of our good friend, the Hall of Famer, Mike DeCourcy. I'll let you know this portion of the show is brought to you by Ken. Ken Garland, Custom Home Builders. Ken knows, wow, it's a big project that you're talking about. Huge, right? You're going to build the dream home. Maybe you're looking for land. He's got it. Maybe you've got land already in your family. You're ready to pull the trigger. You just don't know how to utilize it. Ken and his dad before him, we're talking 70 years of Ken Garland Custom Home Builders. They know exactly what you need to do, and they do it. And Ken knows because you're putting up a financial commitment. Ken totally understands that... He's going to work with you and give you exactly what you should expect. Quality construction, on time, on budget, every time. And if you're looking for a renovation, you love where you are, you don't want to move, but you want the modern amenities, California closets, island in the kitchen, the media room with the theater seating and the big screens and the in-the-wall speakers. Yeah, he knows how to put that in. He's a master at that. Ken Garland, Custom Home Builders. To indie, we shall go. And um, you've been around this long time, writing about it, analyzing it for a long time. Have we ever had, in a week, 13 ranked teams losing all to unranked teams before? When you look at the top five in the AP poll, each team comes from a different conference. Have we ever had more parity than this? Good morning. Good morning. Uh don't know whether we've ever had that, but you know I don't pay attention to the polls. Uh, so I don't know if that's happened or not. Uh, I, do, I, I do think that, that there is a balance in this season that hasn't existed before uh, or commonly existed. And honestly, Dave, the reason is that it's, it's, I think that it's, it's less parity than it is lack, lack of excellence. The, the the teams that are at the top are not extraordinary, uh, for the most part. It, they they the level of achievement, the level of uh, of of excellence just isn't there, and and it and that goes back to to a simple element, which is that the talent isn't there. This is this is a this is a very meager year for college basketball talent, and. Hmm. I was I was going to say that uh, that if you if you need proof of that, just look at the NBA mock draft and see. You, uh, if you look at uh, USA Today's, I think it was four of the first five are either G League or international prospects. And and then you look at the at last year's All America team, the top ten players in college basketball a year ago. Nine of them are gone. The only ones back is Zach Eady at at the national player of the year at Purdue. Everybody else is gone. So just there, there, there was a, there was a, 
massive outflow of talent, and it wasn't matched by a massive inflow of talent. Maybe another example would be UConn. UConn, defending champions, number one in the country now. I, I don't believe they're as good as they were last year. They lost that big kid who was so good. Well, they, they, they may be as good or, or not, but they, they're diminished because Donovan Klingon, their center, is mm-hmm. injured. So that they, they lost uh, two wings to the NBA, uh, and then and then they obviously lost the you know they lost their starting center, but he was replaced by somebody who was who was very good, uh, very talented, and will be a, an NBA lottery pick, but that has missed now uh, basically a month, and it, it, with the with the amount of parity that there is relative to players transferring and balancing out the competition, that sort of thing, no one out there can afford an injury. And no one has the depth to be able to do that. Well, the the Tigers could be an exception here. They just lost Caleb Williams. He, uh, Caleb Williams. Caleb Mills for the year. And that oh. hurt him defensively. It really did. But, man, did they ever put on a show offensively at Wichita. Did you get a chance to view any of that? I did. I had it on uh, while I was working at BTN on, on Sunday. And... And they were pretty impressive, especially in the second half, obviously. With the, the, what they did, uh, they just took apart Wichita on the road. They, they, the, the separation in the second half was amazing, given that they were really struggling to get stops in the first half. And the offensive show in the first half was impressive as well, but they weren't able to stop anybody. But in the second half, they consistently did, and the offense even took off further. So it was it was it was something that they kind of needed to do because their their power rankings are being diminished by the number of close games right. in which they play and that that can that can impact them when it gets to march well the the proof in the pudding is that they they blew them out by 26 on the road to a team at the time that was a 129 net and they went from 52 in the net to 39. So that is an upward project, uh, a soaring of 13 spots. So th- there is something, and you mentioned this before, close games don't help you, which is too bad. It should be wins in my mind, not necessarily uh, by the margin of victory, but apparently that comes into play, and it certainly did this week for the Tigers in the net. One of the things, I went to a meeting I can't remember what year it was. I'm going to say around 17 or 18, uh, where the NCAA was sort of trying to recalibrate. It's what it's one of the things that led to the creation of the net, rather than the the old RPI that they used to have as the standard for NCAA selection as the base of the of the process. They wanted to update that, and I remember Ken Pomeroy, whose Ken Palm rankings are kind of the standard for for the uh, performance rankings, said that he did not believe that anybody should make the tournament based on successful performance rankings, that he did not believe that that should be the basis for selection, but that he did see validity to that in seeding, that using that level of performance and strength should matter in seeding because when you seed, you're trying to give an advantage to the best teams, the teams that the best or most accomplished or whatever, however you want to define that. But you're trying to give an advantage to those teams. And if you have a team that has a meager record 
relative to being in the field, but great performance metrics where they they're hard to play against. They blow out a lot of teams. They 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 win possessions game to game. That should the 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 teams at the top end of the scale shouldn't have to face that team early in the tournament, whether it's first round, second round, whatever. Uh, they shouldn't have to face that team early because that team is dangerous. And that was one of the things, that was one of the points he made. And I do believe that most of the committee members, you never know all, but I think most of the committee members believe in that. So if I beat a team by 15 or I beat them by three, you value the win more? I I, I get lost on that one. I, I, I don't necessarily buy it totally. I I, I think well, if you think figure out way. ways to win, that should be the most important uh, ingredient. It is to getting into the tournament. But what the committee is saying is, okay, so let's say there's a team that is 20 and 10, and they won their 20 games by an average margin of about three points. Mm-hmm. Or let's, let's, let's go to extreme. Okay. And then there's another team that's 20 and 10, and let's say they both played basically, let's say they're both from the Big 12. So they basically both played the same schedule, except in timing. So there's another team that is 20 and 10, and they won their 20 games by an average of 10 points. Well, the second team is going to be more dangerous for the higher-seeded team than the, than the first team is because they, they clearly have the ability to perform at a higher level. They're just not as consistent. But you only have to perform at that level on one day. So that team is more dangerous to the higher seed. The, the team that, uh, let's say the number one team, Purdue, say, that you want to advantage because that's why you seed. If you didn't seed, then you wouldn't have to worry about performance rankings. If you just threw everybody into a, into a bingo thing, and pulled out the numbers like that, a bingo scrambler or whatever you want to call it, and just pulled out the teams one by one and, and put them onto the bracket that way, then it wouldn't matter whether whether the first team is better than the second team or harder to play against or whatever. It would only matter that they're in. And so I think that's why they do it that way, and I, I can understand it. I, I, think there's, I think there's a validity to that. I don't think that it's, they, that they see directly according to what any Ken's or anyone else's power ranking says. I mean, a, a few years ago, uh, would have been 2022, Providence was probably ranked in the 30s or 40s as a, uh, as a Big East champion because they won every, almost every game they played by a half a point. I mean, so they were ranked in the 30s or 40s from a, from a performance metric standpoint. Uh, but they but they were still given a four seed because they won the Big East and they won 28 games or whatever it was. And so they had accomplished a lot. Now, maybe if they had won what they won and they'd done it all by an average of 10 points, they might have been higher. But they didn't completely bury them in the bracket when they had won uh, a, a substantial number of games and won the Big East regular season. They, they gave them a, a decent seed. Uh, they just didn't give them an even higher seed. And then Providence went out and won two games in the tournament. <laughs> I think they won them both by a point or whatever. Right. But they won two games, played in the Sweet 16, gave 
number one Kansas a ride, and Kansas ended up winning the championship. This is a tough one because we don't know total schedules, but let's just say Big 12 team, 20-10. and 10, And their margin of victory is plus eight. Big 10 team, little inferior league, not much. Now that team won 22 games. They're 22-8, and eight, but their margin of victory is only plus four. Which is valued higher? Well, it, in, in more than likely, more than again, uh, some of it's going to depend on non-conference play as well, um, because that plays into it. But I think more than likely, the team that won by an average of eight points is going to score higher. <laughs> and if they both played equivalent, and again, this is hard to, to. These are all right, sort of. But we'll give you a margin of, uh, for error here. Yeah, there's all sort of fa- these. These are fantasy guy concepts because right. you can't really. But if they played equivalent non-conference schedules and and one team won in a better league by a greater margin of points, they're going to be valued more, even if they lo- even if they win a, a few less games. I, I think the lesson I take from this is it is important. You are a guy that went to all these meetings. You know how the midi- the uh, metrics work for the committee. Uh, and 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 basically, what you're saying to me, or how I perceive it, uh, is is that uh, if FAU and Memphis split, and the margin of victory in conference games for FAU is 12, and it, for Memphis it's six, FAU is going to get seated higher. So it's well, important for Memphis to win big. Well, I think I think there's a chance they'd get seated higher. Yes, although some of it. It also depends on how the teams you played in non-conference perform and what you did with That's them. That's true. And they, and they had a good weekend last weekend, but not so good the weekend before that, thus the, the jump in the net. Right, exactly. It, some of it, you know, you want now teams like uh, Clemson to go out and do really well, and Clemson was kind of uh, taking some of the, the uh, taking some of the wind out of that victory with their performance in early January, and then and then they did better last weekend. Uh, so that that's starting to climb. Virginia, their their recent slide isn't helping the Tigers because that seemed like a really good win at the time. Right. Because that was one again. That was one of the one of the few games that the Tigers won significantly in terms of margin. Uh, so there, those things matter too. Uh, it, it's it's an oddity, uh, but it's not about what they were when you played them. It's about what they are on Selection Sunday right. or that week because they, they, they you can't know. It's, it's, an, it's an unknowable what was Virginia on the day they came into your arena. But it's knowable what they are when they've played 30-some games. You can see how many they've won and how many they've lost. Um, last thing, and that is you mentioned Memphis's separation at Wichita State's second half. That is because a guy named David Jones had 13 points in 2 minutes and 39 seconds. I think it was 15 in 5 minutes. It was an incredible display of scoring. He made the Wooden uh, Award Top 25, final Top 25. Not, not a whole lot of national attention on this guy. What's your take on him? Oh, I, he's always been an, an amazing scorer from from his time at DePaul to last season at St. John's to now, he's an amazing scorer. 
he's he is terrific at that. There are other elements of the game he could continue to improve, but he is hard to stop. And there is there's a value to that. I, I was you, you talked about that outburst there. I was at uh, Villanova's second round game in Pittsburgh in 2018 when they won their second of two titles under Jay Wright mm-hmm. and Mikhail Bridges. Uh, who now plays in the NBA and is, is a terrific player in the NBA, scored 15 points, I think it was, in the first five minutes of the second half. And I can't remember who they were playing. It was an 8-9. You know, they, it was somebody who won an 8-9 game. might have been Rhode Island or somebody like that. And that team, had whoever it was, had given them a really decent second first half. It was competitive going into halftime. And then McHale came out in in those first five minutes and scored, I believe, 15 points before the first TV timeout, and the game was over. So those those kinds of outbursts, only the best scorers can do that. You don't, you just don't see that very often from a routine player. And they can change games. And, and so it happened on Sunday uh, with David, and, and it happened uh, uh, in 2018 when uh, Villanova was on their way to winning a, a third overall national title and their second under Jay. My friend, as always, we appreciate it. We will uh, we will chat next week. Uh, if the Tigers sweep this week, which is USF, which they'll be big favorites, in, and then at New Orleans against Tulane, where they have struggled, uh, especially since Ron Hunter arrived, they could be higher than number 10. That'd be good. That'd be good for uh, sure. Ron's one of the really underrated coaches in all, of, in all of college hoops. He does a phenomenal job. I, I'm with you. I think he's outstanding. Thank you. We appreciate it, and uh, we shall chat in a week. Sounds great. You got it. Mike DeCourcy, our Hall of Famer from the Sporting News. He is brought to you in part by our title sponsor. That's Genesis, Genesis of Olive Branch. You know where that is. Right there at the corner of Highway 78, Lamar. And the first exit in Mississippi Craft Road. Turn left, go see a guy named Vinny. Vinny Gerard is now the guy over the Genesis cars, the luxury cars in that place. And you can get a really, really spectacular deal on a GV70, the smaller SUV, or the GV80. So the great thing about the Genesis SUVs, they ride like a luxury car. And they got all the new bells and whistles, and there's incentives. Go see Vinny at Genesis of Olive Branch, and we're sitting in the family leisure studios where the floor model sale continues, and you want to go check it out. Because if you're after a sofa set or a pool table or theater seating or four-person hot tubs where you can really lounge out, or the infrared or traditional steam saunas, they're 25% off. The floor model sale, if it's on the floor and it's tagged, what a price. You shouldn't miss it. Get to I-40 and Wooden Road. Get to family leisure. We're back in just a minute. Jeff Moore will join us on the NFL momentarily. Start your day with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wallow and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Well, I wasn't exactly dancing the night away, but I was watching the night away. Watching all the football in the Grizz last night. Lee. 
Got to talk NFL as the wild card round now officially over. We have six games in the books. There were plenty of surprises, that is for certain. Jeff Moore, who always joins us to talk NFL on Tuesdays. Thank you for joining us on this icy street uh, Tuesday morning. I I, I got to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. I. Uh-huh. I, I don't understand what happened there. Ten and one, they're cruising along. Jalen Hurts is in the conversation for MVP. And then all of a sudden, everything started going backwards on them. And they were dominated by a Tampa team that was under 500 for most of the year. I mean, it's a great story in Baker Mayfield, but my goodness, what the heck happened to the Eagles? I think there ultimately something's gonna I think come out uh, about this locker room. It just seems like this team, uh, and certainly defensively, they took a couple of steps back. I mean, they couldn't stop anyone. Um, and in this particular game, I mean the uh, the, the Eagles' defense were zero for nine and stopping Tampa on third down. So they're not able to get off the field. They're not able to cover anyone. Uh, Baker Mayfield throws the ball to nine different receivers. And and this has been the trend uh, for the last six games. Their defense just fell off. And then Jalen Hurts, I believe, was playing hurt. He hasn't been very effective uh, in the last six games. It just seems like this team that was – and if you look at their 10-1 and record earlier in the season, I mean, they were winning – ugly they were winning close games they were winning ugly so you know this team really hasn't had their act together for most of the year it just became apparent uh, I guess the last seven games that they had that, that the wheels had come off and they were just showing up and not playing well together just didn't look like a team that really believed in each other and was playing for each other and it, it came I mean you know Tampa was okay but you know i I was surprised like everybody else that Tampa walked away with that win. I was shocked. I, I, I thought Philly would win the game. I thought they would right the ship. But I did say after their 10th win that sooner or later their what luck was, was going to have to run out, that they were using yeah. it all up. But I didn't see it dropping off this way. They're the worst tackling team the last six games that I oh, can remember goodness. seeing. Now they're going to lose uh, Kelsey. He's going to retire. Uh, according to he told his teammates last night that he was yeah. he was gone. There was a sign in the ballpark. Of course, this is in Tampa, but it was a Philly fan. Fire Sirianni. I don't see <laughs> after the guys won all these games the last three years, gotten them to the Super Bowl last year, that they're going to fire Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I don't see them making that change, but definitely I, I anticipate they're going to make some changes. Probably defensive coordinator. Uh, and and they've got to retool. I mean, they and they had some injuries, but certainly uh, was a team that underachieved the the last part of the season by a wide margin. Since we mentioned coaches, Bill Belichick, he interviewed. We know with Atlanta, Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Mike Tomlin got really peeved last night. In Buffalo, when somebody asked him about his contract, he just abruptly got up out of the press conference and left without saying a word. That was very mm-hmm. un-Mike Tomlin-like. 
who you yeah. know we know him from being an assistant coach for Tommy West here in Memphis eons and eons ago, but a great guy. What what yeah. do you think is going to happen with all those guys? I mean, I anticipate that uh, Bill Belichick and uh, Jim Harbaugh are going to be coaching in the NFL. Um, there are some attractive jobs out there. I don't know. I don't see Bill Belichick in Atlanta. Uh, but, you know, I, I do. I, I could see Jim Harbaugh in San Diego. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're going to have to, you know, give him a, 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 buck, a lot of money to get him away from Michigan. But I could see the possibility of both of those coaches being in the in the NFL next year. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Mike Tomlin, though. I mean, um, this team, I saw overachieved in even making it to the playoffs because they struggled earlier in the season and finally kind of righted their ship, won four straight and were able to get in. Uh, but, you know, they're a team that was playing with their third quarterback, second. I mean, they, they've just been inconsistent offensively their defense really carried them most of the season um so they've got some changes they've got to make they've got to take a hard look at the quarterback position and see if they're ready to settle there um it's going to be interesting to see mike tomlin though because you know he can't go any further up from here we don't anticipate they're going to win a super bowl next year with the roster that they have so it'll be interesting to see if he decides to take a step away from coaching for a while um, that's going to be fascinating to watch, especially with his response to that question. Yeah, well, he's got night. he's got one year left on his deal. Yeah. I I I I don't know if maybe he's just not into it for a bit. You know, you, you've got to get yeah. burned. Seventeen straight years, same deal. Yeah, um, it's a grind. It is. Uh, that that'll be interesting in watching how all of that will play out. All right. So you mentioned quarterbacks earlier. I'm going to ask this tough question. Most surprising wild card playoff performance: C.J. Stroud, Baker Mayfield, Jordan Love. Which of those three? Jordan Love to me, um, because Jordan Love is going on the road. He's playing against a Dallas team that has not lost a home game in 16 games against a vaunted Dallas defense that typically sacks the quarterback consistently and takes the ball away consistently and he was flawless i mean their running game certainly helped that they were able to have that kind of balance but i mean you look at his stat line he's he missed four throws and 260 yards three tds and no interceptions yeah his first playoff road game um you know cj stroud was outstanding as well i mean to be a rookie playing in his first playoff game and against Cleveland's his, defense against advantage Cleveland's defense but again playing at home which which I'm sure helps I mean he's he's just been consistently good whenever he's played so they're tit for tat I mean I, I I love both of those performances and certainly I don't want to take anything away from Baker Mayfield the year that he's had he had almost 400 yards passing but he was playing against a team that basically was playing with no heart in the Eagles. Yeah. So out of those three, I like Jordan Love by just a small margin. I thought C.J. Stroud was outstanding as well. 
the uh, the best game I thought was Detroit and L.A. That was the most physical game for sure. <laughs> and here, you know, you had the two quarterbacks that swapped teams, and I, I thought that was really intriguing. It was intriguing. And what was great about it is both quarterbacks played well. Um, Detroit's running game was, was really good, I thought. Detroit's defense played well. The Rams' defense played well. I think the difference in the game was the Rams having to settle for field goals. They had three times they were inside the red zone, and they settled for field goals, and I think that hurt them at the end. Um, Their mismanagement, unfortunately, of timeouts in the second half hurt them when they didn't have enough time in that last drive. And, of course, the holding call that kind of set them back where it made it tough to be able to kick a field goal when they really were in a position to win the game. Right. Um, I thought the Rams played well to be on the road, and both of the quarterbacks played well. But, man, what a great story for Detroit to win a home playoff game and then be in a position to get a second home playoff game when they hadn't been to the playoffs in 30 years. This is a really gritty, tough team, and I'm pulling for them um, to continue to play well. I think they have a really good chance against Tampa. Red zone execution in that game was the critical thing. The Lions were 3-for-3. The Rams were 0-for-3. That's the difference in the football game, no question about it. I I think uh, the Tampa uh, run ends in Detroit for sure. We'll get into those games. One last question, though, um, before we set up Saturday and Sunday, that that there's so much made about, you know, you got to have playoff DNA, scar tissue, in order to really be a great NFL team. How about all the youth? I mean, Green Bay and Houston are the two youngest teams in the league, and here they are yeah. in the divisional round. <laughs> what a great, what a great story. And, and I think D'Amico Ryan has kind of flown under the radar in terms of the coaching job that he's done to some extent. Uh, But, you know, this is a team that doesn't beat themselves. They play hard. They are young. Um, I just think he's done an outstanding job. And and Green Bay, you know, they're the youngest team in the league. And they go into Dallas where the Cowboys have been unbeatable at home and play as well. You know, again, you know, Jordan Love played well, but the Green Bay defense was outstanding as well. And that was a surprise to me. Uh, to see the way they play so well. They get the pick six. They get the interception, and then they get the pick six <laughs> against Dak, and that had to kind of take the heart out of the Cowboys. Uh, but, I mean, they hold that offense, the Dallas offense that had on occasion scored 40-plus points during the season to zero points just before halftime. Um, so great performance by them. Uh, just, you know, outstanding for a young football team to play that well on the road. Um, and uh, most of those guys were playing in their first playoff game. That's the end of Mike McCarthy, isn't it, based on the lack of an answer from Jerry Jones? I got to believe that. I mean, you know, a lot of teams would love to win 12 games in a season, but, you know, the the the, the mandate was set when they brought him in. You know, they, they've been a good regular season team they needed a team that could coach them into a playoff win and they were just they didn't look like they showed up to play i mean it was it was horrible offense defense uh they didn't get a sack uh, and and they'd gotten a sack in just about every other game uh this year 
Uh, you, you can't help but look not only at the head coach, but the defensive coordinator. Dan Quinn had been mentioned for a few jobs. I think that's off the table for him. Um, yeah, I, I would be surprised. I, I don't see how they bring back that same coaching staff when they basically have repeated that performance for three years in a row. All right, on Saturday in the AFC, Houston at Baltimore and the best team in the NFL is a nine-point favorite in that game. Lamar Jackson and that Baltimore offense are just red hot uh, and been unstoppable. And, you know, the Baltimore Ravens led the league in sacks this year, and they're going to put pressure on C.J. Stroud. He's going to see pressure much different than he saw against Cleveland because Cleveland likes to blitz and make you get the ball out of your hands quickly. I like I like Baltimore uh, to win, but I do expect Houston to show up and play well. I, I just think Baltimore's just got too many weapons. And also on Saturday, the other by team, San Francisco, I don't have the same faith in them I have in Baltimore at this point, but they're 10-point favorites over this young team, Green Bay. Green Bay's Dallas is dangerous. I mean, the performance they had in Dallas against that team and uh, with them being such a young team, they're really, uh, you just don't know what you're going to get. San Francisco, with the weapons that they have, with the defense that they have, they should win at home. But don't be surprised to see the Packers give them all their, I mean, give them a great game and uh, potentially have an upset. But if there was going to be an upset, I think that would be the one, the Packers and the 49ers. But I like the 49ers at home. That's the biggest line, so that's surprising to hear. All right, Sunday, Kansas City at Buffalo. The the, the Bills are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Whew, man, is that going to be a great game. They played once earlier this year. That was in Kansas City, and I believe it was the, the, the Chiefs that won the game, but it was close. It was close, and the, and Buffalo has been a team that has played well against Kansas City consistently. But I, I felt like going into the playoffs and still do that Buffalo was the hottest team in the league in the way that they've been playing. This, they've won five straight now, um, and Josh Allen has been Superman, to say the least, throwing the ball all over the yard, breaking for a 50-yard touchdown yeah. run. Uh, and their defense is is playing well. I mean, they're they're uh, they're 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 a good defense. Uh, I think they're going to get tested against the Chiefs, but I just like the way they're playing right now. They're playing with a lot of confidence on both sides of the ball, and I expect them to win a close one against the Chiefs at home um, this weekend. And then finally, Tampa at Detroit Sunday, the Lions six point favorites. Yeah, I mean Detroit. Again, great story. <laughs> Those guys are going to be – they're just a gritty, gritty team. you got to be ready to get physical with them. I don't know that the, that the Tampa Buccaneers can match their physicality. I mean, I just think that Detroit running the football and the way Jared Goff is playing, he's eliminated the turnovers. He was fantastic this past weekend. And I expect this offense to move the ball against Tampa and really get out and get a lead. And, and make Tampa make mistakes. I like Detroit at home. 
Um, and I don't expect that game to be as close. I think Tampa's overachieved for the most part for this season, but I think their season ends this weekend. I agree 100% on that one. As always, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. I'll see you next Tuesday in studio when the streets finally get a little bit more cleared. We appreciate you coming on today, Jeff Moore. Thank you. I look forward to it. Take care. That's our guy in the NFL. That is Jeff Moore, and he's brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union. They are just so dependable for 70 years. Southern Security's been serving the Mid-South with the best rates, the lowest fees. You talk about service, they're there for you every time. They'll even talk to you on the telephone and all the latest technology. Always growing. Wait till you see the technology in the new building that they just broke ground for in Collierville. If you are a business owner, Southern Security is the place for you. If you're in need of an auto loan, you got to go to your home team credit union. They're there for you with better benefits. On your credit card, on any banking need, they'll provide the lowest competitive rates. All you got to do is make the call. Like I said, they love talking to you. 452-7900 or you can go to southernsecurity.org. Proud sponsors of the U of M, Southern Security. It's your home team credit union. Union. We're back in a minute here on Wallow and Friends. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Welcome back in. Final portion of our show. And I thank Mike DeCourcy and, of course, Jeff Moore for their analysis this morning. Uh, we, we were talking about the Gigi Jackson, Vince Williams show and the surprise of that. You know who else was in the house last night? It was so good to see him in an NBA uniform. And that would be our own. And I love the guy. I love talking to him. I love his charisma. I really hope he catches on and gets to stay with Golden State uh, long. He's a two-way guy. Of course, that's Lester Quinones. So Lester Quinones played five minutes last night. He had one assist. But here's the other thing he did, kind of surprising. There were only two guys that were plus last night on the Golden State Warriors. Lester was one of them. The other, Green, Draymond Green. Booed every time. Do you see what he said in the postgame? He goes, we're, we're a terrible team because our defense sucks. That's what he said. Our defense sucks. We're too soft. Everybody's got to look in the mirror. It's simple. Stop your guy. And he did that. He, he again, had a pretty good line. Uh, but I think he's going to get booed. He gets booed in front of FedEx Forum because they remember playoffs from a couple of years ago. Um and, and I, I, I even kind of boo Steve Kerr, who I used to love, because he, en- he enabled Draymond Green to kind of behave the way he did. 
uh, I wonder how long it'll take before somebody baits Draymond Green into doing something dumb. You know, it's almost like you're going to watch Draymond Green, I, th- I think, waiting for him, like NASCAR fans who go to a NASCAR race to see crashes. I, I think that's what it's going to be like with Draymond Green. Or like a hockey fan. Uh, waiting for a, a fight. Yeah. Do you, do you agree with that? No, I think I think everybody knows that, you know, he went through this therapy session to be a better player. So, yeah, like they're going to see like. Well, he did. They, the therapy was for anger management. Yeah. So he's he's got to figure out what triggers him to end up being a dirty guy. You know, I I I I have a feeling. Seriously, we we do love to forgive guys that have a something about him. Like I I still think he has the potential to sort of be the next Charles Barkley because he says interesting things. He says them smartly and honestly. Um so if if he can overcome this this uh, the rest of his career this cheap stuff, I I I still think there's a lot there for him. Uh, one last thing, real surprising. Do you know who the most efficient offensive player on the tenth ranked fifteen and two one ten in a row Memphis Tigers is? Most efficient. Yes, most offensive efficient guy. He's also very good defensively. I'm gonna say Nick Jourdain. And you are on the money. This is why Zach Boyd sits in this room. His offensive rating is 148.3. This comes courtesy of Jason Munz, who got it from KenPalm.com, which is the advanced analytics website. So what's taken into account to measure a player's offensive rating is unknown. KenPalm defines offensive rating as a measure of personal Offensive efficiency developed by a guy named Dean Oliver. The formula is very complicated, but apparently accurate. So they break down offensive ratings into two groups based on percentage of minutes played. Jordan has not played enough minutes this season to qualify for overall rankings, which is led by Purdue Zach Eady. But he's at 148.3. I know inside the arc, in inside for two points, his percentage is in the upper 70%, like 78%. It's he, incredible. He rarely misses. I know. He, he's, he's like 500 from three, too. I mean, yeah, and that's, he doesn't take a lot of shots from three. And that's not what was, was that really in his scouting report when he was at Temple? Was that a guy that was able to knock down three? Yeah, he didn't take a lot of threes, but he's always been pretty accurate. You know, he has, I don't know if it was his career high, but his best game, I think, was 21 last year against Memphis. First time we played, that was in Philly. I love the kid. I am just crazy about him. Final portion of the show is brought to you by Memphis Tourism. Actually, they bring you Mike DeCourcy every week. Memphis Tourism in Shelby County is big business. Did you know the latest figures show? Annual spending on sports and tourism is $3.5 billion by visitors in our community. That means over $100 million in local tax collections alone, and it grows every year. The tourism and hospitality industry is vital to ensuring the continued growth and the success of our local economy. Just look at what they did at Tiger Lane with that new sports and event center. Memphis Tourism and the Memphis Sports Council, that's a winning combination. And they do work year-round to bring visitors and sporting events to our community that help 
fan the flames of economic development in Memphis and Shelby County. And that's Kevin Kane and J.J. Greer, Katie Ligon, all those folks. They do such a good job. That'll do it for us. Johnny Radio takes over in just one second. We'll see you again tomorrow morning. Have a safe and warm rest of your day.